You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hey folks, welcome to a special episode of The Projection Booth. On this episode, I am talking with Professor D. Harlan Wilson about his book on J.G. Ballard. It's available via the University of Illinois Press. You can get it at many places. And I hope you enjoy this episode. I'm trying to remember back to the first time I ever heard of J.G. Ballard. I don't know if I can come up with a specific time. I'm curious, do you remember when you first heard of Ballard? I don't, but my (laughs) – I don't know. uh, When I was thinking about this interview, I was wondering how honest I was going to be. And um, then I figured, well, why not be completely honest because the book has received some pretty good acclaim. Actually, I haven't seen any negative reviews from the book. So are you ready for a long sort of uh, um, how I came to write this book? So I was looking for a new project to do in terms of literary criticism. I I kind of uh, go back and forth. I'm always writing, you know, fiction and nonfiction simultaneously. But I was looking for a new project after the, the book on They Live. John Carpenter's Day Live uh, uh, that I did, that we, of course, discussed on this um, uh, podcast. So what came across my radar, because, um, and I'm, of course, I'm going to give plugs to all the things that I'm, is that cool to the people that I'm related to? So I'm the reviews editor for Extrapolation, which is the academic journal for uh, speculative fiction. And, uh, uh, so I'm always receiving reviews of different books and seeing what's going on. And uh, um, I got a review of a book from University of Illinois Press, which was from this new—not uh, a review of a book. I got a, I got a review copy of a book uh, for this new series that they had going on. This was, you know, several years ago, called Modern Masters of Science Fiction, and uh, basically they're looking to. Do uh, get scholars to do books on individual science fiction writers. I don't know how many, how many they have in the pipe so far. Probably about hmm, 15, 20, maybe not 20, 10, 15, let's do that. And Ballard hadn't been done. I, you know, I kind of contacted them, and, and uh, that's how I work best. Um, I uh, uh, Like we were talking about before, we were uh, on... I don't know, what do you call this? It's not in camera. Yeah, on the air, I guess. On the air, yes. I work best by immersing myself in the content. Uh, While I do have things going on simultaneously, the big projects, I uh, kind of immerse myself, uh, uh, and I often don't know much before I get in there, and after I leave, it's gone. For this Baylor book, I saw that the, I wanted a new project for, for um, writing criticism, and uh, it's partial biography, but it's mostly literary criticism of his works. You know, I, I really wanted to do this, and it was the right time, uh, I, I thought, I guess, for my career. And wrote a proposal, and I don't know if the publisher will like this or not. Uh, I bullshitted my way through the whole proposal saying that I was very familiar with Ballard and, uh, I'd really only read the atrocity exhibition excerpts from the atrocity exhibition and crash. And that's it. 
so I did read before I wrote my proposal. I wrote, I read a lot of what other people had said about ballot, and then wrote this proposal. The reason that I did it is because I wanted to really immerse myself in his move because it was something I always wanted to do. And often the only way for me, I'm always reading different stuff, but the only way for me to to concertedly get into uh, an author is to, you know, set up a writing project. Ballard is special. For years, I'd always, I had always known that he wrote in the 21st century, but he, he is truly Outside of science fiction, outside of everything, he is a special uh, 20th century author. One of the best, really. One of the most unique. I mean, nothing really compares to him. This was my idea, and I wrote uh, a bullshit, uh, um, not completely bullshit. It, it was earnest, but, you know, sprinkled with bullshit, let's say. Whatever I had to send to the uh, publisher. They, the way it goes in academic uh, criticism, they send it out to external reviewers, and, and some reviewers came back and they were like, this sounds good. But there was one reviewer who came back and said, okay, uh, this is what's going on. He, he actually called me out on my bullshit and said, you got to do this, that, and the other. And uh, it was great. That's exactly what I needed, and it was exactly what I, I did. And basically what he said is that... Uh, um, and it made sense, and it's kind of what I what I thought in any case. That Ballard, uh, uh, the main thing uh, uh, with his writing is that, or at least what a lot of critics has, uh, have said, is that uh, while he began as a science fiction writer within the genre, you know, squarely within the genre, that eventually he moved away from the genre. Uh, and a lot of people said, and Ballard himself said this in, in, in in some instances, although his what he said changed, you know, you know, long career throughout the course of his career. But uh, um, a lot of people said that eventually he wasn't writing science fiction at all. You know, he was writing mainstream fiction uh, or, you know, just some kind of weirdo, you know, oldster affected novels and stories where he had been you know, writing his whole life and was out of touch with everything. So what I argue is that that was not the case at all. He's always a science fiction writer. Even his mainstream uh, uh, books like Empire of the Sun, which uh, most people who are into mainstream fiction know, um, and, and, you know, Bird Movie and all that. There there are other instances that I cite throughout the the book. But uh, I argue that even that is a science fiction film. Even the, the, excuse me, uh, uh, science fiction novel. The film moves away from that a little bit, but the book, the autobiographical novel, that's really what it is, punctuates the child Ballard that he portrays himself as, as technological subject, uh, technologized by sort of media forces. And you see that to some degree in the film. But uh, one of my big, big things, you know, aside from Ballard and stuff, is that uh, we, you know, we live in a science fictionalized world, but it's, it's science fictionalized by a lot of ways that we don't think that it is. Media is a big way. And uh, ultimately, that was my sort of guiding light uh, for viewing the opus of Ballard's literature. There have been many other books written on Ballard, um, Mine was the first career-spanning book 
I guess. It, it came at an opportune moment. Um, he died in, I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, 2009? Yeah, April 19th. But when I took on this project, it was maybe, you know five years ago, so it seemed much more you know raw then. This isn't a specialized view of Ballard, although there are special, I guess there are specialized readings of his text that hadn't been done before. But I, I, what I've had to do in this book and enjoyed doing was account for the uh, entire sort of litany of his uh, library. It was something that I would never have done of my own volition, and which is why I pursued this uh Modern Masters of Science Fiction series, uh, it forced me kind of to do it. And throughout the course of it, you know, I got a divorce. There were all kinds of personal, uh, who, uh, and things that happened. And I did not finish it in a, in the timely manner that I thought it would, I would, but, uh, I did finish it. And, and uh, I, I'm probably more happy with this book. I, people always say this, I guess, and you have to say this to promote it, but I'm truly uh, uh, more happy with this than anything I've ever written. I, uh, uh, I, I, I learned how to become a better fiction writer and critic by reading and concentrating on Ballard's canon than anybody I've read before. And that's actually what I expected before I got into it. I got exactly out of it what I expected to get out of it, and it was great. Yeah, and, and uh, along the, the way, I met um, there are folks who are mainly critics and artists and um, professors and scholars. There are some sort of lay people who just kind of like Ballard, for the, but for the most part, they're they're highly educated, sort of aggressive artists who like Ballard. And uh, I met a lot of them. They're, they are the proverbial Ballardians. And I didn't know anything about this community. And it was really interesting to uh, some of them are actually the people that got uh, that, that edited the earliest books that were about Ballard. And uh, the foremost among them is David Pringle, who was for a long time the editor of Interzone magazine, one of the best uh, sci-fi magazines throughout the uh, well for many decades. I can't kind of came into this cold, and it was really cool to meet all these people, albeit meet them online. I always wondered when people, because I've always I exist in a vacuum. So with that they live book, I had some you know contacts with other people, but for the most part, it was like you know just me, and that's how I write my fiction. It's just me. But with this book, I actually reached out and, and connected with so many people and everybody was very crazily helpful with Ballard. Uh, possessive. A lot of these Ballardians are very possessive of Ballard, but at the same time, we're very free with their information, very friendly. And I, I, I corresponded with Ballard's kids too, his girls, uh, Faye and Beatrice, mostly Beatrice. Although I still haven't heard what she thinks of my of my book, there are parts in the book where I react to this biography of Ballard that kind of I don't want to say demonized him, but portrayed him in the light of this in, in a wild man light that was uh, uh, ridiculous. It, it wasn't. It, there are no citations. He was just uh, he's a British author, John Baxter. 
Well, basically what I've heard, he was kind of jealous of Ballard. I don't know if that was the case. I think he was just trying to write a book that was incendiary, you know, that would incite uh, some bullshit among people. And mostly, you know, it didn't do anything and people were mad at him because it was, you know, kind of unfounded. Not that Ballard was an angel. And I, I talk about this, but, you know, his wife died um, unexpectedly when he was very young and three kids and he ended up raising them by himself and uh people tend to misrepresent him based upon almost solely based upon crash and the atrocity exhibition which are the most sexualized of his books but that the sexuality in his books is almost entirely regulated to those books the kindness of women is another one where there's a lot of sex but he wrote 18 novels and hundred over a hundred stories and the sex is mostly in the kindness of women crash and the atrocity exhibition. It's limited in the, in the latter. I imagine your first step in the research is to actually read all of his work. Absolutely. Yeah. You start at the beginning and work your way through chronologically. Yes. So what I learned is that his writing of course was, was great throughout, but that it was very different in many ways, especially in terms of content with the other novels. Basically what I did, I started with uh, his first book, which he disavowed. The Wind from Nowhere is the book which is actually underrated by him and by other people. That's the one that he disavowed. But I started with The Wind from Nowhere, and then I went you know, straight through all the books chronologically from beginning to end. Um, I actually read most of the criticism about <laughs> most of it about the books beforehand. I don't know how uh, maybe that would have been I, I kind of read criticism as I go. So by the time I got to the end, I had read there are a lot of a lot of books on Bauer. So by the time I got to the end of his fiction, I had been through all the criticism, the major books, and then uh, you know, there's a ton of stuff out there. I guess I'm an expert, although, like I said before, I mean, once I leave a project, I kind of uh, develop this void. You know, I mean, that goes with fiction and nonfiction. I mean, suddenly I'm, 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 you know, now that we're talking about it, all these things are firing up in my, my head. That's just kind of the way that I live. But, um, yeah, I went straight through it. And I, I, frankly, with Ballard, he is the perfect subject for doing that because it's, he uses this uh, phrase throughout the course of his entire, I think in every book you can find this. The geometry of, insert word, it's a, uh, a metaphor for, you know, different things that he uses. There is a geometry of the way in which his entire library works. There are these trilogies that unfold throughout the course of his career that are very algebraic. It's crazy. I don't, I don't, I don't know if, uh, uh, actually, somebody who does uh, uh, something similar to that is Gibson. But it's not, it's not a, a William Gibson. He kind of does different, I mean, several trilogies. That seems more, I don't want to take anything away from Gibson because he's unique in his own right. But uh, uh, Ballard seems a little bit less hmm, consumer capitalistic. I mean, if only because he came before Gibson. Uh, uh, all those cyberpunks, of course, were heavily influenced by Ballard. Perhaps more, I, I don't know, I might argue that anybody else. You know, he started out, I shouldn't say just trilogies, there are quadrilogies too. 
And it was only towards, actually, he ended his career with a quadrilogy of novels that uh, uh, sort of referred back to his old work. I mean, it's very tightly knit, even though a lot of people think that he, he really moved away from the science fiction genre in the end. And of course, it wasn't hard science fiction. I, I don't think it was. It, it was never really hard science fiction, except in the early stories. The reason I'm so fascinated by him is because he's he he was always trying to push towards the new, which is hard to do, really weirdly hard to do in science fiction because uh, weird because science fiction is supposed to be the place where you can do new things, but I, I don't know. That's rarely been the case. I think maybe with the new wave, which Ballard was a part of. Uh, uh, Michael Moorcock was another big figure there, uh, editor of New World, where they were trying to, Harlan Ellison in America, uh, you know, Philip K. Dick, folks who who are familiar with this will know. But still, there was this, and there is, actually, I think it's even more relegated to this day. There's no room for experimentation. You you can't do any fucking weird things. Uh, Forget about it. Even the new weird that uh, uh, China Meville, is that how you say his name? Meville. Uh, uh, well, he, he, actually, he's a wonderful writer. He's not doing innovative things. I mean, he, he, he's riffing on things. Uh, uh, he's doing what he needs to do to sell books. Ballard was actually writing. Actually, I don't know how to do what Ballard does in my fiction. He was writing compelling narratives, yet at the same time, writing prose that was other people weren't writing. I mean, he was integrating these two things in a way where I still don't think people are, uh, can do that. And I think other other folks have always admitted that. Uh, and by folks, I mean like authors and editors and publishers. Of course, editors and publishers crave that less, but a lot of authors want to uh, sort of manifest what Ballard was doing. I don't know, man. Uh, uh, it's not something that I have the skill or capacity to do and, and or interest for, you know, my, my interests are, are slightly different, uh, uh, in terms of a fiction, fiction writer, but critically it's like, um, it's nuts. It, it's wonderful. Yet, yet at the same time, it's, uh, I wish there were, there were more of it, but I don't know the closest person that, and, and you know, he was friends with Ballard, uh, Will Self. He's done some stuff uh, uh, that approaches Ballard, and he, but he would even admit that uh, you know he wants his own voice. Everybody wants their own voice, uh, and nobody's going to become the John Murdoch of, da- of Ballard. And who would want to? But at the same time, it's like, uh, how do you even tap into that? It, 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 what he does, the way in which he he plugs prose into the very real but very alienating and uh, um, offsetting worlds that he creates, which are both, you know, it's like the Freudian Kenny. They're, they're both very familiar and very out there, otherworldly. I don't know. I, I've never, I'm still looking for an author who, has, I don't know, you know just because I like Ballard, who does that. I've, I've yet to find him or her. You mentioned before Empire of the Sun, which I think is a lot of people's first exposure to Ballard, which is kind of a weird exposure for him, just because what he had done before was so different than what he was doing at that moment. People know the story of him coming to Shanghai when he was a young boy and being interned in a camp. I'm curious, though, 
had he written about that? That book came in 1984. He had already been writing since before 1961 when his first book came out. Had he addressed his young days before that? I can't remember offhand, but it's based on a story that he wrote when he was, you know, younger. All of his stories and novels are, are infused with the psychology and the actuality, in, in many cases, of violence. What he went through in the war informs everything, particularly the technology of the war. All of his stories and novels are technologized by, I don't know, like the technology of violence. Uh, one of the things I argue specifically in Empire of the Sun, his book, Spielberg captures this a little bit, but I don't know. I can't remember offhand. I know in the book that uh, um, there are pointed scenes where, you know, young Jim, um, the, the fictionalized Jim, because there are there are marked differences between what he actually experienced and what he uh, portrays in his autobiographical novels. <laughs> but young Jim... On several occasions, there are these, uh, he is confronted basically with media technology, these giant movie screens or cameras or something that affects him with an A, like uh, uh, um, changes him, you know, uh, and, and certainly the technology of warfare changes him. Uh, he's pathologized by it. Uh, Ballard's opus is all about pathology. Uh, technological pathology and it everything really can be traced back to the horror of war uh, uh, and what he experienced in World War II but at the same time can be traced back to the I don't want to say that the media that he experienced back then was because I because I don't know frankly I, I, I ultimately what I know of Ballard except for what I've read in Miracles of Life, Miracles of Life, which was his, the autobiography that was the last thing he wrote before he died. And, and like I said before, his ideas of what he was as a writer and what he experienced, you know, the nuances in any case, broadly we understand what he went through and what he experienced. But he was... I think invested in creating a fiction out of himself, not a deep seated fiction, but you know, a fiction nonetheless. And it actually isn't that far from the truth. I mean, we are all fictions. If we think about the way in which we remember things, the way in which we talk about ourselves, if somebody asked me about myself, I, you know, or my history, on a daily basis, I, I will, uh, uh, not that everybody's asking me about myself on a daily basis, but, uh, I, you know, if somebody were to ask me about that, I give them information and sometimes I'll walk away and think, Hmm, I, what the fuck do I know? That might've been true. Depends on what kind of details and nuances they wanted. But, uh, uh, what do we actually remember? It comes, uh, it becomes what I'm saying is, uh, uh a matter of memory, I guess. And Ballard was sort of interested in, to some degree, being playful with that, playful of the notion of identity and subjectivity uh, in a broader sense, but at the same time, very invested in 
representing the trauma that he went through as a young boy, as he became an adult. And, of course, was very interested in Freudian psychology and uh, uh, loved surrealism and Dolly and uh, among other you know folks that were popular at the time. But the way in which all that shit was channeled through his uh, uh, filter was, I, I still think to this day, there's no, in the 20, and he wrote, you know, into the 21st century and published a couple of novels before he died. Mostly a 20, a late 20th century writer. And I think all, one of the things I argue in the book is that all of his stuff can be, except for that, that latter, there were these latter novels that he wrote, uh, the latter four at least novels that were quote unquote crime novels. And we had to do with, uh, bourgeois gated communities and uh the repressed violence that uh came out in those communities although you know you could argue i guess that happens in a lot of his books but uh that's that's kind of a crude way of putting it anyway before that most of his books can be traced back to the 60s and you know 1960s sort of renegade culture especially in terms of the arts Although he wasn't in America hanging out, I think he'd been here a couple of times, if I'm not mistaken. I could be. Blardians will kill me if I get anything wrong. The thing that I argue is that even though he wrote into the 70s and the 80s and the 90s and the 21st century, everything is really a 1960s kind of critique and extrapolation what he did. That was my, that was one of the arguments that I made in the book. And it's kind of cool. In that. Like if you watch, uh, uh, you, you mentioned, I, I can't, I don't know if we were on air. 2001 is based on a scene. And if you watch that now, it's like, what the fuck? This is, this is, this is, that's like the 68 idea of what I always remember this when they meet in that, uh, they're just walking through the, uh, with the bucket seats and stuff. Haywood Floyd, is that his name? He's walking through there and meets with just some random people and they talk and he's like, well, I can't tell you about this. But I was, I, I always remember looking at the, the mise-en-scene there. And, uh, it's like, you know, the, this is a 1968 idea of what things are going to look like in 2001, right? That's you know, for Ballard. I think that's what he, when you read his stuff, that's the way to get the best perspective on it. Yet at the same time, a lot of his stuff is beyond where we are now and even more, or even more precise and acute to what we are living. That's a very much a generalization. But, uh, of course, we could look at different uh, novels to, you know, validate or invalidate that stuff. But, no, he's, he's just an anomaly. And, and uh, that, that's what really, honestly, I haven't read since I finished this book. I probably, I'm still involved with, like, the, the Facebook. There's a big Facebook community with Ballard. And, and uh, um, I am interested in that and interested in what people are putting out. And, uh, there, there, there's like a, an explosion, uh, and I, it's nothing to do with my book, but his stuff is becoming more and more relevant. He, he was a quiet, quiet, prescient science fiction writer, but in my view, better than, I don't know, just so not cheesy, like not in any way. 
where like another science fiction writer I really like is Philip K. Dick. He, in my mind, he can do no wrong, but he he is so cheesy in so many ways. You know, uh, Ballard was very. I mean, he was even funny too. I mean, most people can't even get away with being comedic, but uh, there's so much that's funny in Ballard. I mean, some of Philip K. Dick stuff, for instance. And to some degree, Philip K. Dick is sort of the American Ballard, but at the same time, they're so different. But they were interested in a lot of the same uh, themes. That's something that kept me going throughout the course of this book. But it was just the, the uniqueness of this guy there to this day. And I don't know. I don't know how anybody could do what he did throughout the course of his literature. I was surprised to see William S. Burroughs' name come up as often as it did. He was very interested in Burroughs and Dolly too. I get the Dolly thing. So when I was at, when I was in college, I would see the Dolly th- posters on my fraternity walls. It was, it, it'd be, it, it had tra- sort of transcended pop. It was just like not cool anymore. I guess cool, but not cool. But when Ballard, you know, in the sixties, that, that was, that was renegade. I mean, uh, 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 and uh, actually when, when, when was Dolly's prime, like the forties and when did the Andalusian, what was this thing? Oh, the Andalusian dog. That would have been like, God, was that 1930s? That was thirties, right? So that was back when I really think, you know, pop culture did a disservice to Dolly. I mean, a huge disservice. He's still, uh, 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 nobody can touch him. And I think Ballard saw that. But uh, but when Ballard saw that, that was before he'd become sort of pop culturally perverted, let's say. Uh, but it wasn't just him. He had Ballard, of course, off, uh, he often said that uh, uh, he wanted to be a painter. And it wasn't just Dolly. It was, uh, I guess it was other surrealists. Uh, um, Dolly was kind of a figurehead. Although he did love Dolly's, one of his autobiographies. And I've, I haven't gotten all the way through it. And it is wonderful. He, I mean, this guy, maybe it was the translator, I guess, but boy, was he, he was a writer and he did everything. I mean, he thought he was God and so forth. Uh, that's fine if you can back it up. But he kind of backed it up. Jeez. Um, but with Burroughs, you know, Burroughs had kind of, you know, mostly, I guess, heroin induced, but, but, uh, um, Burroughs, I have to, <laughs> interestingly, I have to write a, I don't have to, but I've agreed to write a, I guess it's a 100 word biography for Entropy Magazine on, I have to revisit the, um, the call for whatever it is I'm supposed to write. But I, I think it's like a biography with my own, you know, experience weaved into it in a hundred words. I don't quite know how I'm going to do that, but I'll do it. Uh, but Burroughs was in his time, you know, when he was right, he was publishing, I think Chunky came out in the fifties, right? Early, you which, which was nothing like Naked Lunch. That was just his experience being, you know, a heroin addict. But it was very, nothing had existed before that. It was, so he found a publisher and, and it was like, this is the re- of my, my streetwise situation. You know, when Naked Lunch came out, and I, I swear Naked Lunch was 59, if I'm not mistaken. So the junkie was probably early 50s. I mean, Naked Lunch is 
I, I kind of accredit that. With, I, I don't think I would be here without Naked Lunch. I, I didn't think literature like that could be written. I mean, it's, it, it, the, the, and seriously, there is, there is, what the fuck is written like that nowadays? It's just like gone. There's nothing that, I'm not saying that we need more Naked Lunch, but we need more newness, I guess, the likes of which was, was Naked Lunch. That even transcended, you know, uh, uh, modernism uh, with its appropriation of sexuality and technology. And uh, uh, it, it was especially, uh, I think, Burroughs' prose that uh, Ballard was drawn to. And Ballard's prose in some ways is, uh, I think, I don't know, I dare anybody to approach Burroughs' prose. Burroughs is kind of the American Ballard in terms of prose. Because Ballard is, I dare anybody, you know, you can if if we were to <laughs> sort of dissect the code of prose uh, in terms of regionalism, I don't know who can fuck with Burroughs, and at the same time, who can fuck with Ballard? Um, they are stylists. They are sort of mathematicians. I don't know if I'd call them poets, but it's almost algebraic. Yet they break the algebra in their syntax. Uh, uh, so that you can't quite read it. And I, I'm not talking about the meaning that you extract from their, uh, uh, you know, signifiers, their syntax and stuff. They are both, they're mathematicians of prose. It's wonderful. Um, yeah, I would actually say, I mean, so if, if we talk about Philip K. Dick, he was a shitty writer. He was horrible. But he had great ideas, and actually, there are some. I shouldn't say that entirely. There were there were some, some books of his were really great. Actually, I think the Man on I Hassle is, is a, a, a you know a wonderfully written book. But you could go through and sort of analyze paragraph for paragraph, Burroughs versus Dick versus Ballard, and uh, uh, <laughs> there are marked differences. If if you could somehow convert them into sort of. Uh, mathematical rhetoric. Yeah. What was the most surprising thing for you as you were going through and reading all this stuff and also learning about Ballard the man as well as Ballard the writer? The most surprising thing was that everything fit into place. I had this idea uh, from reading secondary criticism before I really dove into Ballard's uh, library, especially based on that reviewer that I mentioned earlier who reviewed my proposal and gave me some pointers in terms of basically arguing that Ballard, and this is my main thesis, that Ballard was a uh, science fiction writer from beginning to end. Because again, a lot of people had said that he eventually abandoned the science fiction genre, but he hadn't. What he had abandoned was the uh, rules of the genre. He was always kind of intimately tied to essentially the way in which technologies uh, pathologize the human condition. That was his big thing. So if anything surprised me, it was how everything fit into place after I had read what I read and what, I, what people had, had said uh, fallaciously about him was mostly that. Uh, I kind of expect to believe what they had written, but, you know, what the people had written about him uh, uh, had said he had gone away from the genre. 
so it was it was a little surprising to me to <laughs> essentially see that everything fell into place for what based on what I had been told and what I essentially you know assumed. Even though, I mean, how, how do you ultimately? It was for a while. I was worried. Like, how do I make an a, an argument that this guy is a science fiction writer where he he had come out sometimes throughout the course of his career, his you know forty fifty year career, and said he wasn't a science fiction writer anymore. But you know, ultimately, what a what it boiled down to was that. He was not, he was saying that he wasn't a science fiction writer according to the norms and codes of genre science fiction. I mean, he cultivated this notion of inner space that was in complete opposition to outer space, which, uh, when he started was sort of the big, uh, um, thing that people were writing about. And he didn't, that, that wasn't his neologism, inner space. Somebody else had written about it before him, but, he really took it and made it part of the, uh, uh, you know, this this thing that we hear, uh, um, not sci-fi, S-C-I-F-I, but sci-fi, P-Y-S-F-I. That's really what inner space is. He cultivated the psychological realm of science fiction, and, which frankly is more interesting. I mean, you know, there's always been, I mentioned Ballardians earlier. Ballardians who like Ballard, they are obsessive. A lot of the, the, the protagonists that he wrote of when, when he was younger, they were obsessive about whatever, whatever they were uh, into. Ballard himself became obsessive in the end. It all fits together. Uh, and this actually addresses your question, you know, in terms of, well, at least uh, uh, it was beneficial for me to read the whole thing, his whole uh, library chronologically. Because it really made sense. I don't know if there's another author. Like, if you read me chronologically, it'd be fucked. I mean, I'm all over the place. Uh, but reading him chronologically makes perfect sense. It, it is an equation that at the end sort of shoots out, uh, you know, I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd say the answer, but it, uh, it's something that makes sense, I guess. Whereas, I don't know. I don't know if there's another. There's another uh, uh, author, science fiction, otherwise, who is who is uh, as geometrically, I don't know, valent or, or uh, uh, spitch on. I don't know. Call it what you want. I want to talk to you about Crash at another point. So I am curious as far as um, some of the other adaptations of his work. What? Uh, how far did you go down that avenue? And if you did go down that avenue, what did you think of those? I had always been, actually, I, I uh, had seen, before I read any Ballard years ago, I had seen Cronenberg's Crash. And, uh, you know, I was younger. I, when did I come out in the 80s? It was the 80s, I think. Uh, 90s, I think. Was it? Early early 90s, though. Maybe it was late 90s. I don't know. Yeah, I think it was late 90s. I want to say 96, 97. So that was before I, uh, I was a late bloomer, so I didn't get much of anything to later. But before that, I don't think I had seen Empire of the Sun, which was the first, if I'm not mistaken, big film that had been made. There, there had been, I think, some shorter. There was a, sh- a shorter film made out of the Atrocity Exposition or, or ex- Exhibition. Jeez, 
Um, but man, I, I uh, was a very late bloomer in terms of his cinema. Uh, I have to say that I, I loved, loved High Rise. There were things that I would, I mean, how are you going to represent that book? That's my favorite. <clears throat> that is my favorite book of Ballard's High Rise. And uh, I, I, th- I thought he did a good job. There were things, you know, obviously that I tease out and stuff like that. But uh, there are parts of it that were like, hmm, this is, this is uh, they're really starting, starting to, to be able to, and this is like a tame version of Ballard. Uh, um, the, his novel Concrete Island, they've been trying to get that going for years. I don't know how they're going to get that going. There's hardly anything going on in that novel. You, you, you can't get a, uh, there's got to be a comic. That's the thing. It's got to be a comic book novel nowadays. I teach a film studies class, and we were talking about Stephen King's uh, story-based film. What is that one with Morgan Freeman Chase? Uh, uh, Shawshank uh, Redemption? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you you can't get a film like that made anymore with those high powered actors. You got to pay the actors a lot. Uh, uh, um, people want special effects. People want you know over the top hoo ha. You you don't see films like that anymore. I don't know. I mean, if you do, it's very rarely. Uh, at the same time, I don't know. Uh, uh, high rise. There is actual, I mean, if you look at it, it's very stylish. Now, I don't know how much it, uh, I haven't uh, done the research in terms of what it took to make. It is mostly a dramatic film based on characterization. But I think there was, you know, just the construction of a high rise. I, I don't know to what degree that was computer animated and blah, blah, blah. I mean, you know, Shawshank Redemption came out. You know, there was no CGI in that, to my knowledge. There is both a landscape for the articulation, the cinematic articulation of Ballardian films uh, 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 based on his works that could be very successful. And pe- but people are de- definitely interested in, in them. But at the same time, you know, production companies are mostly interested in, in, in uh, comic book films, and naturally enough, because they make money. So I don't know, it'd be interesting to see how things pan out. I know that almost all of Ballard's books are optioned, which is to say there is some production company that is optioning them every year and paying the estate, the Ballard estate. And he had 18 novels. If you count the atrocity exhibition, I think I might be getting again, it might be blowback from Ballardians there, but uh, all of them that haven't been made are optioned. And who knows? Maybe the ones that have been made are optioned. Uh, how that will, you know, manifest, who knows? But it's awesome in terms of how his uh, awesome in a cool way, you know. How in in terms of how his novels and uh, uh, stories speak to the cinematic the diegeses, the various diegeses of cinema, yet at the same time resist it. That's what's awesome about it. So people read his stuff and, and, and it will be like, hmm, this would look good on film. But at the same time, they're like, how are we going to do this? You know, it's different than a lot of sci-fi stuff uh, where the pictorial is right there. And of course, everybody who's, every fiction writer nowadays is encouraged to write. Uh, you better write, you know, something that's easily adaptable into a screenplay, especially if you're writing a novel. 
<clears throat> imagistically in terms of prose, don't be too clever, blah, blah, blah. Ballard would have, you know, even in his time, and, and if he was writing today, would have none of that. He could give a shit. Uh, he was very much, uh, you know, sort of stuck to his guns, but at the same time knew what to do, I guess, in some weird way uh, to get a readership and to generate uh, uh, fanatics. I mean, whatever he did, I don't know. I don't know anybody who's done that. Yeah. When he died, he was worth over 10 million. Ah, it's got to be more than that. 10, 15 million pounds. Just liquid. Yeah. Well, tell me, what are you working on these days? Me? Who cares what I'm working on? I am working on... So, the, I, I, while I was working on this Ballard book, I was working simultaneously, and I was going... <laughs> the, the, when I was go- working on this Ballard book, there were some kind of tough times in my life. So, I would... But at the same time, I have trouble sort of focusing all my energy on literary criticism. Criticism. And, you know, nonfiction, I guess, broadly speaking. So I'm always, uh, uh, I don't write that much every day. I, I, I'm not smart enough to. I, I, I can't, my think ball doesn't, doesn't produce that many words every day. But at the same time, I got to, you know, get some fiction out there. So I was working on this book called Natural Complexions, which is kind of a <clears throat> compendium of uh, um, uh, satirical jabs at TMZ culture, let's say that fictions and docu-fictions and it got picked up by this uh, uh, Prague, a small press in Prague called Equus E-Q-U-U-S Press uh, so they're going to put that out later this year And then, but the big thing I'm working on is uh, um, a I don't know what it is a by kind of like the Ballard thing but more fiction than, than uh, I guess there's no fiction in the Ballard thing um you know who Daniel Paul Schreiber, Schreiber is? He's a notorious uh, uh, psychotic slash paranoid uh, um, subject who Freud diagnosed without ever meeting him uh, in one of his most famous case studies. And he's, he's become kind of the most famous madman in psychiatric culture. So I've been, I've been fascinated by him for years. And uh, uh, the film Dark City that I mentioned earlier, uh, he that's based on his memoirs. So I'm essentially writing a book on his memoirs. It's kind of about his memoirs, but kind of about modernity and kind of about, you know, me and uh, pathology and all kinds of fucking shit that nobody's going to want to read about. But I do have a publisher. Uh, it will be coming out next year from Stalking Horse Press and the you know, I, I think it's the best thing I've written. It's certainly, uh, uh, honestly, I dare anybody to find something that's been written like this before because it is part criticism, part absolute fiction. Uh, uh, there's no real experimentalism in it. It's not an experimental novel uh, insofar as it's, you know, it's it's straight written. There are chapters and stuff like that. Uh, um, but that's always kind of kind of what I like to do in my fiction and increasingly in my criticism. Um, and then there are other projects on the horizon, but that's just what's coming up now. Yeah. Thank you for asking again. (laughs) 
The sickness is drowned by Christ the more. Pray to God, make it quick, watch him fall. This is the way.
Hey, what? 